you have a problem with God, you've probably failed to understand the quality of your relationship with Him. Your mind isn't on who He is. What is our problem? first problem is we don't remember God's character. We're dealing with a God who he'll never cast us off forever. It says, has his promise failed? Have you actually accused God of failing in his promises to you? I'm looking at what I don't think he did for me. Well, how about taking God at what he promised to do, not what I asked him to do? Today on the Songtime broadcast, as we continue our year in review, we'll look back to our Summer Psalms series. This message from one of my late great mentors, Dr. Colin Smith, will take us to Psalm 77 as we wrestle with our own expectations of God and actually the much better picture of what God said he will do. But first, we'll be joined by Rob Reno as we talk about how parents can have a lasting influence as a part of a local church and the many voices come together for that one message I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. One of the comments or prayer requests we often get from our listeners is an issue about their children and their grandchildren walking away from the faith. Dealing with prodigals is one of the most difficult things that a parent can express. We have a prodigal in our family, and it's heartbreaking to see a sibling or a child or a grandchild who was raised in the faith but has chosen to walk away. Or for any parent, maybe a parent who came to faith later but has a child who does not see the faith, the importance of their faith, and does not follow Christ. It's heartbreaking, especially when we are going to be getting together with family and friends and neighbors. Many of those that we interact with over the course of this holiday season will not be believers. How then can we approach that subject with them and pray for them earnestly? That's one of the reoccurring themes that we hear from our listeners. It's also one of the reoccurring themes in our interviews as we talk to various authors who are experts on this subject. And our guest today is Rob Reno. He is the author of Visionary Church, How uh, Your Church Can Strengthen Families. And I'm so appreciative of his book. We talked with him earlier this year, and this is part of our end of the year, year in review. And he talks about how the church is a central place for building families. The culture, the world around us is actually trying to destroy families, uh, but it is churches that are trying to rebuild. That's the goal of a church, is to rebuild the family and to be a family of believers. I asked Rob Reno to explain to us how to approach the subject of prodigals and why parents ought to be aware and also instructed on this very issue. So here is Rob Reno with a closer look at his book, Visionary Church. You know, the vision here is not thou shalt be a perfect Christian to raise your children to be perfect Christians. And I'm really glad that you brought up this this issue, this painful subject of, of prodigals. Um, One of our other resources is called Never Too Late, Mm -hmm. Encouraging Faith in Your Adult Child. So you can find that book wherever you get your books, as well as the video series on that at our website at visionaryfam.com. But two-thirds of empty nest parents in the church have at least one adult child far from God. Mm -hmm. And it's the most painful thing in their life. It's so painful, in fact, that they don't talk about it very much. Maybe they even come to church. They see all the other perfect, happy people, right? Uh, Who seem to have it all together. 
um, but they've got this child that's far from the Lord. And if that's your situation, again, just as you just shared there, Adam, to to encourage uh, everyone, uh, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, that your mission of parenting is a lifelong mission. And if you've still got breath and that child still has breath, it's never too late, even though they live a thousand miles away, all sorts of things have happened in the relationship, never too late for God to use you as a spiritual encouragement in the life of your child. Mm. I, I know as we're talking about uh, visionary church and, and how your church can strengthen families, I, I'm sure you're aware of the, the probably leading kind of uh, 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 comeback question is what about families that aren't complete? What about uh, broken families? What about single parents? What about families of, of, of children who have walked away from the faith? It sounds great if you actually have a family where you have a father that is, is sitting down to do devotions with the kids and, and a mother who is submitting to her husband. It sounds great if you have the perfect dynamic family, but well, we all know this scenario is that most families are pretty broken in that structure. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Adam, uh, my generation anyway, grew up talking about broken families versus intact families. Those were common phrases. Broken family meant a divorce or, or death or never married. You know, an intact meant, like you said, uh, you know, mother, father, two kids and a picket fence or whatever. And um, I've kind of changed my language now to say every family is a broken family. Mm. Uh, every family's hurting. Every family sins at home a lot. Uh, every family is in need of God's mercy and, and God's grace. And it's a very personal subject for me. I did not grow up in a family like this at all. When, my, when I was born, neither one of my parents were Christians. I grew up in Connecticut, just outside Hartford. Uh, neither one of my parents were Christians. My mother was my father's fourth wife. My father was my mother's second husband. Um, when I was born, again, they didn't know the Lord. God worked a miracle in my mother's life uh, when I was a baby and brought her to salvation. And she was the first Christian in our family tree. She led me to the Lord when I was little, led my brother to the Lord. My dad was an atheist. My dad thought my mom was a crazy Jesus person after this. Uh, my parents divorced when I was 15. My dad cheated on mom during business trips. And my dad's bad behavior and and the loss of my family was you know, the, this big, huge wound and trauma of, of my life. And I think one of the things that God loves to do is to work his grace through the generations. And so I think about my mom um, who had to experience that pain and the loss of, of two marriages, right? Um, she didn't get to experience a lot of, I guess we could say fruitfulness, if you will, right? She had a lot of Pain. The Bible uses those illustrations of cultivating, sowing, and reaping, right? Mm-hmm. Cultivating the ground, sowing seed, and reaping, you know, the fruit. Well, we all, we all want the fruit, but especially for someone like my mom, who was the first Christian in our family tree, she inherited a garden when she came to Christ full of rocks and weeds, right? She spent most of her life breaking up rocks and pulling weeds. Some seeds were planted then in my life and in my brother's life. And now in her grandchildren, we're getting some fruit. Mm. And so I, many of us are, are in a family situation right now that's very painful, that's very difficult. It feels like all we're doing is breaking up rocks and pulling weeds. So you've got to have multi-generational vision. You've got to understand, if Jesus came to you and said, I, I want you to spend the rest of your life, single mom, breaking rocks and pulling weeds so that your kids can get some seed planted and your grandbabies could have some fruit, would that change your attitude and your mindset 
toward the pain and difficulty of breaking rocks and pulling weeds. You bet it would Mm. because of that multi-generational vision. We've been listening to my interview from earlier this year with Rob Reno. He's the author of Visionary Church, How Your Church Can Strengthen Families. And I got to say, this is something I believe in wholeheartedly. It's, it's one of the tenets of my church as a pastor. We want to implore parents to take on responsibility of their children and the community to come around the families and support them. We have a strong children's program. Uh, We've been doing that for the last couple of years, and it has been incredibly fruitful. When you love children and you love the parents and you support them, you foster a foundation that is essential for the future of those children to take seriously their faith. It's a great resource, one I cannot highly recommend enough. It is uh, a book that we have available on our bookshelves, and we'd love to make them available to you. They don't serve us any good. We've already read them, so we need to send them out to you. And if you want to find out more information about what other books we have available on our shelf, give us a call, 508-362-7070. Well, today, as we continue our year in review, we are looking at our Summer Psalm series. And in this message from Psalm 77, my late great mentor, Dr. Colin Smith, will take us to a passage that deals with some conflicting emotions. As we complain to God, what are we focused on? Do we expect God to do what we want Him to do? Or are we coming to Him and seeking His direction to transform us and even change our desires to align with His own? Here is Colin Smith with a closer look at Psalm 77. Uh, This happened to me this week. Uh, There are times when you know what's happening, when you see what's coming, and you stand there like the deer in the middle of the road, you know, watching the headlights come at you with those big eyes, just kind of frozen. Well, we do that sometimes. We see it coming, and we stand there, and we stare it in the face until we get run over. But he says, here's my problem. He says, it's not as if I didn't try. It's not like... I didn't ask God to help me. I cried out with my voice. I cried, and he says, it's not as if God didn't listen either. You know, there's sometimes uh, when we can't find God, it's not because he's not right by. And we know this fact. We know what's going on in our lives. We see it happening. We say, God, help me. But nothing happens the way we want it to happen. And he says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Isn't that what we tell people to do? When you've got trouble, go to God. Take it to God. We, and the, and our, our songs make it sound so easy. You know, take it to the cross and leave it there. Hardest thing in the world is to go to God in prayer and to leave it there. Most of the time, we spend our time tying our problems closer to our backs so we can carry them better. So we go to the cross, but not before we've tied those burdens so tight to ourselves. By the time we get to the cross, we can't get rid of them. We go to God and say, I want the help. But inside of us, we don't want what God offers. We'd rather hold on to our problems and what it is, in my case, it was anger. You know, it's easy to be angry, and it's hard to be humble. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You can't see it in the English Bible, but this phrase is here three times in the psalm, and it's the key phrase in this psalm. It's a pattern. 
The Bible says that how sin develops within you in the James chapter 1 and how faith develops in you in James chapter, the end of James, it's the same thing. Both of them happen, they're just different directions. We call it attitude. Attitude is what direction you're facing. Well, when, when you're going through a problem, the same process leads you into sin or leads you into God. It's just which way do you choose to do? Here's the process. It starts with what you think about, what you remember. See, he remembers what's going on in his life and what God has done, but it bothers him. Why has God left me here? How come God's not solving my problem? Why isn't God doing it for me? And it troubles him. We have such a great memory. I know people who say they can't memorize a verse and who can tell you something that happened to them 20 years ago in vivid detail. And you know what? You remember what's important to you. And, and he remembers God and it troubles him. Why did you do this to me? Notice what he says. I complained. Please circle that word. It is the exact same word as in verse 6, I meditated. I called to remembrance and I meditate. It's the same process. One is with your face turned towards sin. The other is with your face turned towards God. Your memory dredges these things up and the word complain. You know what that's the word is? It, it's the Hebrew word that means to go over it and over it and over it. Notice what he says. Here's the, here's the symptoms of it. You hold my eyelids open. You keep me awake. I can't sleep. I can't think about I can't get the peace that I need. And I'm so troubled I can't talk. I'm withdrawn. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. Here's the answer. Notice in verse 5. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. And, again, here are the same two processes we saw before. I remember my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. Same word up above as muse. It means to chew over something, to ruminate. Except you're chewing over the good things. So verse 7 down through 11, he talks about what he remembered. What were the things that he brought to mind? Look, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? He said, then I remembered what kind of God I was dealing with. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Yeah, God doesn't seem to be very near, but what kind of God do I have? Do I have the kind of God who leaves me in this circumstance? When you have a problem with God, you've probably failed to understand the quality of your relationship with him. Your mind isn't on who he is. How, how can I take my eyes off it for a minute? What is our problem? Well, I'll tell you, our first problem is we don't remember God's character. We're dealing with a God who he'll never cast us off forever. He will never cease in his favor towards us. He can't do it. The Bible says he can never deny himself. And he's made me part of himself. It says, has his promise failed? Have you actually accused God of failing in his promises to you? Can God's promise fail? Remember the promises he made you. I'm looking at what I don't think he did for me. You didn't do this, and you didn't give me this, and why did you stick me here? Well, how about taking God at what he promised to do, not what I asked him to do? And we rate God on a scale of our expectations instead of putting him and holding him to his promises and saying, he always keeps his promises. And in fact, has God forgotten to be gracious? In his anger, has he shut up his tender mercies? That word forgotten, by the way, is there for a point. 
It's to be a, an, an absolute opposite of the word remember. I'm to remember that God can't forget. All right? That's what he's saying. Can God forget to be gracious and mercy? Impossible. I must be seeing things wrong. Something is impossible here. Then I said, notice, this is my anguish, is what the King James says. You know what the Hebrew says? It's my problem. This is my problem, is what he says. I said, hold it. God isn't that way. It must be my problem. He says, I remember God's character and things are right. It must be my problem. Therefore, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. The right hand is where the person sits who's on God's favor. The person who God shows his, that's where Jesus Christ is now, sitting at the right hand of God. He says, I'm going to remember the ways that God has privileged me and the things he's given to me. You start by remembering the character of God and the works of God, and then you meditate on the right things. Same process, remember and meditate, but notice. I will also meditate on all your work. He says, I'm going to chew that over. Instead of chewing over all of these things, I'm going to chew on the things that you're doing. I'm going to look at your ways. And then he says, your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great as our God? You talk about God. And then notice, you are the God who does wonders. You talk to God. Don't just talk about him. You tell him and you talk to him. You know, I, I learned these lessons the hard way. But if it isn't well with your soul today, you look at this passage and you tell me if maybe there's not a reason for it. I had to. And God just turns you around and it's an attitude problem. An attitude is something you can change. One of the beautiful things about the book of Psalms is that they address the wide range of human emotions, even those emotions that we have that don't seem quite right. Uh, I'm thinking about Psalm 77 and asking these questions of God. To be actually a priest, a uh, psalm of Asaph, a, a priest who is crying out to God and saying these things is quite telling uh, to the local surroundings. As you can imagine, uh, these aren't things you could say easily in church. As it says in Psalm 73, if I had told people what my heart was really thinking, uh, they would have abandoned the faith as well. But it's when we remember God, it's when we go into his sanctuary, when we spend time with God, we are reassured. When you're having a crisis of faith, you were invited to the throne room of God to sit and linger a little bit longer at the foot of the cross, to consider what Christ has done for you, and and also to be reminded of the fact that although we may not have control over our circumstances, and God does, that doesn't mean that, that we know what's best for us. In fact, we often don't know what's best for us. If we were the better managers of our life, surely God would let us have control, but uh, the truth is, the problem is, we're not good managers of our own life. We've proved that time and time again. I'm reminded of the story of Job when he finally cries out to God, and, and God says, where were you when I created the world? Um, you weren't there. You, you don't understand these things. You, you're too small to comprehend the vastness of eternity. And God, in his sovereignty, blessed Job, not because Job was a, a, a super person, but because he was faithful. He listened and he waited and he trusted in God. He didn't like it. He complained about it. But he didn't, he didn't break his faith. 
He continued to trust in God. And that is a lesson I think that all of us need to learn, especially in troubling times. A great time to look back on the course of this year and all that we've studied so far uh, with our Summer Psalm series. Uh, That's always great. I always enjoy spending time in the Psalms. It addresses so many varying issues each year. If it's been a blessing to you, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can also look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study in our Summer Psalm series. as a message from Chap Bettis, my good friend, explains to us the role that parents play in discipling their children. Why does God command us, whether it's fathers, parents, or even the church to one another, to speak to one another about the works of God and the wonders of God? For what purpose? So they will trust, remember, and obey. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this uh, year in review series, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him.